Hey gang, it's Harold. I'm podcasting to you from the bunker. In the interest of distracting myself and my gaming friends, I'm reaching out to some interesting people to ask them what they're doing game-wise. With such a big time dividend, I want to hear what they're playing, designing, or thinking about. No CNN, no CNBC, just games. My production obsession will have to be put on hold as I'm most interested in communicating with you rapidly and with some interesting content. This podcast documents a discussion I had with Tom and Mary from Hollenspiel Games. Hello, Tom. Hello. Hey, Tom. Harold Buchanan. How are you? I'm okay. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Is Mary there with you? Mary's in the room. Uh, she doesn't have a headset. She'll probably... probably uh... Dinosaurs. She says dinosaurs. Mary, dinosaurs to you and Tom. Um, thanks for joining me, and I hope both of you... Mary, talk as much as you want. We'll. Uh, I would love to hear what you have to say about some of this stuff. How are you both doing? Everybody safe and sound? Yeah, we're we're doing okay. Um, you know, our our day to day generally uh, has kind of always involved staying at home and not meeting other people. So this is this is kind of our speed. So you've you've had a good deal of practice for this. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Being an introvert myself, I am not, I am not terribly disappointed with these requirements. Yeah, but uh, but hey, I I appreciate you spending the time with me this morning. The and you're on the East Coast, right? It's it's probably not this morning there. It's about two o'clock here. Yeah, there you go. Okay, well, this afternoon or or something in between. I appreciate you spending the time. I. Um, I wanted to set a few ground rules, if you don't mind. Sure. So the ground rules are no discussion of medical conditions and medicine. Okay. Uh, number one. Number two, no discussion of politics. Okay. And number three, no discussion of financial markets. Okay, yeah. That's that's fine by me. Good, good, good. Mary, are you okay with that? Uh, Mary seems to be okay with that, so I, I, I'm, I'm kind of the, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of the go between here. That's awesome. No, I I, uh, I I like it. I like it. So um, the intention was to to call and see what people are doing. I, you know, originally I was thinking with the time dividend, but if this is what you normally do, then then what are you doing with your time? What what games are you playing? What games are you thinking about? What's next for Hollenspiel? Um, that kind of thing. So, so what's uh, what are you thinking about? Uh, well, a, a, a big part of what we're thinking about is kind of trying to get caught up. Because um, when we started the company, we had the first five games that we were going to release already done. They already were, were in the hamper, as it were. And we just could release them on our schedule. And we kind of liked being ahead like, like that. But over time, you know, we started to get less and less ahead. And uh, we had a, a kind of a spanner in the works uh, in December 2018 when we had our, our big holiday sale, the biggest one we had had up to that point 
and it kind of threw everything back. And then our cat, uh, Claus, uh, got sick and he passed away last year. We're taking yeah, care of him to give that. him his, his end-of-life care. Uh, thank you. And um, so that kind of got us off track where we, we fell pretty far behind on things where we're basically getting the games ready, finished and finalized uh, a couple weeks before they're being released. Now, we have them developed long ahead of time as far as the production of it. And we definitely prefer to be more caught up. So we're using this time because uh, it's kind of it kind of has been a kind of a, a disruption a bit in, in the business. Uh, we're using this time to try to get caught up on our games, get ahead, so we can have stuff in the hamper again and not always be stressed out and coming down to the wire with it. Well, that makes perfect sense. Um, I've got yeah. to tell you, in this chaotic time, it has to feel awfully good not to have a huge inventory of games sitting in a warehouse. Uh, that yes, that that does that does uh, indeed feel good. I mean, right right now, what what our situation is there is that you know we essentially have three vendors that we work with. Now, the primary one is Blue Panther, who prints almost all the components for our games, but we have a printer that does the cards for us. And we have a company in Germany that does the wood bets. Well, the cards printer uh, is down for the next 30 days at least. Germany's on lockdown. So we don't have wood bits or cards coming in other than what we have already. Um, now, talk, talking with Blue Panther, apparently even while sheltering in place, uh, he can work out of his home office. And we're still able to fulfill orders for the time being. But then once those wood bits and those cards run out, uh, you know, we can't take orders for those games until things stabilize, right? So um, we, we have kind of an inventory situation, but we don't have a, a warehouse full of games. So, so it's, it's one of the ways in which our, our, our flexibility both kind of helps and hinders us in this situation. Yeah, I, I, who knows how this is all going to play yeah. out. And, uh, of course, the purpose of the call was not to debate that. Uh, oh, but, yeah, no. I'm, uh, but, and, and my fault for getting on the topic. But I do think, uh, I, I do think that you're, you're, while it's frustrating when you can't deliver certain products, I think it's going to be great for you that you don't have this massive inventory of, of games yeah, no, and you I, have to worry about an uncertainty. Yeah, no, I, I I'd agree on on that uh, completely there. So yeah, we're just trying to get kind of get ahead on stuff, uh, get some games ready because we have so many games in our pipeline, right? Um, and uh, so it's just trying to get the production done on all of them and get them ready so that when we can release them, we can release them. You know? Right. Uh, well, there's one game I'd like to talk about in particular. Yeah. Um, Speaking of dinosaurs, um, I was in Las Vegas several, maybe a month ago during the Dice Tower West, and I saw Steve and sat down with him, and we played a prototype of oh, great. dinosaur table battles and and had a great time. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm, I'm, I'm really going to be curious about how that one's received, because on the one hand, it's, it's dinosaurs, right? And, and Tail Battles is right now our like our flagship title. It's our, it's our most popular title that we that we still have you know in print. Um, 
But Table Bales is a little weird because it has that that whole thing where um, if you can react to to your enemy's attack, you must react in some way. And if you do react, then you don't get to attack on your turn. And that's that's kind of the the heart of table battles and the thing that people who like it like about it. But there are people who really don't like that. So I'm not sure how well Dinosaur Table Battles is going to do with the kind of broader audience that we're aiming it at. So it'll be interesting. It's always an experiment. You know, and when we have that luxury, we just kind of experiment with things and try them and see if they work. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. A thousand experiments, right? And then and then migrate to the success. I I enjoyed it, uh, Tom and Mary. I, I think one of the things that I love about it, which I feel more in this game than I do in the other table battles matches, is that um, you know your mix of dinosaurs. Which there's a drafting process, uh, at least in that prototype, which I thought was very interesting. And your mix of dinosaurs has a huge impact on how you can defend. And then also a big impact on how you attack. Yes. And, and so, so there's a there's a there's a game within a game just of of selecting the right mix for what you'd like to do. And then there's a um, there's a mechanism that I enjoyed, uh, which is uh, you know a gambling mechanism in effect that that allows you to continue. For example, when you roll that base set of dice at the beginning, you select dice to fit within the attacks of the different dinosaurs once again part of the selection of the dinosaurs and the strategy but at the same time you're also selecting um, for um, how powerful the attack is and maybe you want to acquire more dice so you don't attack that turn and so it it creates a very interesting um, uh, multifaceted set of decisions that you can make so I think it's going to be terrific. Thank you. I mean, that, that's kind of what I'm, I was going for. You know, Mary told me, what was it, two years ago, Mary, you told me to make Dinosaur Tale Battles? 2017. Okay, so al- almost three years. Yeah. And, and not every day, but every other day, you pretty much were asking me, like, why isn't it done yet? And <laughs> Always every day. Always every day, okay. Every day. But I had to... Um, I wanted to really deliver on the concept. I wanted to make sure it had legs and wasn't just, you know, kind of a jokey thing. It had to be, you know, serious as it were, especially with the the art. Because it's that, more art than what we usually go in for in a game, right? And uh, I still don't understand. Uh, so that artist, Will Alombra, he's someone I've known for years. Uh, I, I started talking with him back in my Usenet days. That's, that's how long I've known him. Um, and he's done work for us and only for us. And it's weird to me because you look at the dinosaurs and dinosaur table battles, you look at the, uh, the aliens and everything and escape from Hades. Uh, you look at the ribbit board from Mark Herman's ribbit. They're all gorgeous. And I, I, I I can't understand why he isn't like the, the go-to person for, for a lot of board game art because they just, really knocks it out of the park every time the the cards the dinosaur cards were fantastic and and not just cards some dinosaurs have more cards than others right there yeah some cards have some dinosaurs have three cards and multiple attacks and defenses all very interesting but uh but i agree the art was fantastic 
Now, be careful what you ask for, because sometimes these big companies can suck up a good artist if they find one. Well, you know, I'm I'm, I'm okay with that, though, because you know, as long as he has time to work for us, I don't mind him working for other people, too. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it, it seems like uh, in some, in some uh, game companies, and of course this is organizational psychology, but they get into a group think and they use the same or a couple of the same artists over and over and over. And um, it, yeah. so, so it's, I mean, it, it is amazing that a great artist can't, doesn't get pulled into uh, to more things. You know, and, and we're probably guilty of that too, because there are certain artists that we work with again and again, we like working with them, you know, and, and we know what to expect working with them and what kind of uh, time frame we're looking at and well what kind of uh pricing we're working at because obviously some some artists are going to uh charge a lot more than others right so um and we don't have the kind of traditional profit margin or traditional print run that another company does so we're constrained in some ways but we're lucky in that we, we've worked with some really great artists over the years uh Ilya Kudryashov has done a number of maps for us. Uh, Jose Farah. We started working with Mark Mahaffey. Uh, Anya Biziakowska. Uh, she's done a number of great maps for us. Fortunately, she's not doing maps anymore. I, I, I wish she was because she's one of our favorite people to work with. That's uh, yeah. The predictability is 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 one of the many reasons we go back. The comfort and predictability of people we know and. And partners that we know for sure. So, what else are you working on? Uh, what else is is coming that's that's interesting? Uh, let's see. Um, so, one of the games that I mean, we have the game pretty much ready, other than the cards, which we can't get. Uh, 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 Streets of Shadows, which is a game designed by Joseph Miranda and Roger Mason, is three to five players. It is uh, Paris. During uh, the occupation of World War II, and and the players, they're not resistance fighters, and they're not collaborators. They're kind of in the middle, playing the two sides against each other, trying to maneuver like for political and economic advantage. So it's a really interesting uh, decision space and a really interesting take on uh, on some of the, the history. So I'm I'm really excited about that multiplayer game. Uh, you know, and uh, I mean, you know, Joe, Joe did uh, Joe and, and, and some others did Battle for Baghdad, which is loosely based on the Dune original Dune system. But, uh, you know, I think he's done a ton of two player stuff, but I think he's got a gift for the multiplayer. Yeah, no, uh, he, he is one of the designers that I really have admired for a long time. Uh, I, I'm lucky to get some of his, his older magazine games. And some of them, you know, I, I, I just find them really interesting and, and they really should be hugely influential. I mean, I, I, I definitely crib some ideas from them uh, and, and from the whole approach. So uh, working with, 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 with Joseph Miranda was uh, one of the things kind of like on our to-do list. One of the designers was like, we want to work with that guy. And we've finally been able to make it happen. So we're really happy about that. That's great. Look forward to seeing that. Yeah, uh, we have, 
Oh, gosh. Uh, we have a game called Stilico, Last of the Romans. That's a sequel to Wars of Marcus Aurelius. Um, that's pretty much done. Uh, we just got to lay out the rule book in that, and again, we'll need to buy cards. Um, Dr. Tailbell is already mentioned. We have uh, White Eagle Defiant. That's the sequel to Brave Little Belgium from the same designers, but it's uh, Poland in World War II. Uh, we actually have Mark Mahaffey work on the map for that. I'm working on that with him now. Um, the big games I'm working on, because I tend to work, I have games that I kind of intend for the end of the year for like our, our, our prestige releases, as it were. And and the, the two that I'm working on for the end of the year uh, one is called The Vote, and it is about uh, women's suffrage in the United States. It's uh, similar mechanically to This Guilty Land, but with a, a different emphasis. And uh, Dual Gauge, which is a train game, uh, because uh, the train games, they, they sell better than the war games, so I'll, I'll do train games too, you know. <laughs> yes. Well, it's time. it's about time for a good suffrage game, isn't it? Yeah, this, this is actually the hundredth anniversary this year of of the Nineteenth Amendment. Yes, so, and I and I expected that we would see a bunch, but I was surprised that we haven't. Yeah. But uh, good, good, good on you for for tackling the tough subjects and um, and being willing to uh, to do that. And you know, suffrage was some very interesting applications of that too outside the United States, right? The UK. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, it, I, it was even more militant at the time, and that influenced the uh, the the battle for suffrage in the U.S. You know, when we first announced the game, we had we had people say like, "I wish this had been about suffrage uh, globally," or or you know, "Why is it the U.S.?" And and the thing for our, you know, from, from my point of view, is that while there are some commonalities, they're all very specific stories. And this is a story that I'm able to tell because I, I lived in the U.S. my whole life, you know, so I, I, I know a little bit about the political process, you know, and, and, and how, how the structure is uh, and discourse and whatnot um, beyond just, you know, being able to do, do the research. It's having the familiarity, whereas if I was to do a game uh, on some political process in the U.K., for example, that that whole thing is it's not alien to me but like my, my primary point of reference is like the Palliser books so I'm not sure if that's really a <laughs> a greater accurate uh, read on things right so no I'm I'm really excited about this because another thing is that well yes it, it it is a heavy subject it's a serious subject um, it is not as heavy as this guilty land was and and so it's trying to take those mechanisms and ideas and put them in a package that's appealing to a slightly broader audience because there are people who you know they just would not play this guilty land and I understand that I'm totally okay with that it's not for everyone the theme is not for everyone that they want to engage with right but um, you know wanting to use that kind of core system uh, and then transform it because the thing with this guilty land is a story about the those processes not working and grinding to a halt 
and a story that doesn't have a happy ending. The game ends right as the Civil War begins. Whereas with, with the vote, this is a story that has more of an arc and, and more of a uh, arguably happy ending. I mean, it wasn't complete 100% suffrage because you still got uh, Jim Crow going on. But you definitely have more a sense of actually accomplishing something within that framework of those tools actually working in some sense. So shifting to that emphasis, I thought, was... Uh, it was a really interesting design challenge, and uh, I'm really enjoying the testing of it, and uh, I'm, I'm crossing our fingers on it. We think people will, uh, will dig it. Yes. Well, I, I certainly a, a topic that it's important that we educate on. Well, that's a, that's a great mix of, uh, of, of games coming out over the next year. We look forward to it and, and hearing more about them. What about um, – you know, I was going to ask you a question, Tom. We yeah. were, I was debating with someone else that there's a little bit of magic in the Hollenspiel games. And we were trying to figure out what the magic is because they're, they're, uh, they appeal so broadly. And there are a number of different opinions, right? The, the opinion is the, the, the magic of the design and the design process. Um, there's the magic of the um, production process, right? That, that, while they're they're not the most glamorous games, maybe for that reason they have a little bit more oomph in them. And then there's just the magic of of uh, the two of you, and um, and and the fact that that people love you and and love what you do and how you do it, and um, and that brings some magic to the games and make you one of everybody's favorite uh, small game company. Do you all have an opinion of where this Hollenspiel magic comes from? I mean, I, I think if, if there's magic, it's it's Mary. I mean, Mary's the one that, that makes it work. Uh, there's a reason why it's called Hollenspiel and not Russellspiel. And uh, that, that has to do with, with Mary and her attention to detail and how she runs the day-to-day of the, the business and how she keeps me in line, you know. Um... And then just we're we're profoundly lucky in that we can take these creative risks because there aren't really financial risks most of the time. And, you know, we're not the only people that have a print-on-demand model, but I th- I don't want to say this in a way that would, would, would slag other print-on-demand publishers, but we, we seem to be the only ones to be taking those risks with that model and not trying to produce the same sorts of games everyone already has. I mean, to varying degrees, there are, there's some experimentation within the form, but we're, we're kind of taking more risks, I think, because I, I, I feel, I feel like, well, I feel like we have to, I feel like, you know, if you're going to have the, the ability to do whatever you want, you should do whatever you want. You know, there's a story about, uh, George Lucas, the, the film director, uh, how he would tell people he was going to do these really small personal films once he was done with this or done with that. And the thing is, at any time, he could make really small personal films, right? I mean, the guy had so much money, he, he could definitely make a small personal film whenever he wanted to. So if, if you're going to have that power, that ability, that freedom, I, I think you really got to use it. And so... Uh, 
we're just trying to exercise that and I'm really just kind of astounded every time that it works because it, it it usually does. Like when we re- last year we released uh, Westphalia, which is a negotiation game for exactly six players, <laughs> and you know it's. I mean, it's commercial suicide, right? You you can't release a game for exactly six players. It's too tight a niche, right? Yeah, you know, even a game like. Like, Here I Stand really is a six-player game. I mean, it says you can play it like three to six, but that's a six-player game, right? Um, Or is it five? Well, whichever it is. But um, to say this is a six-player game and only for six, it it seems like such a colossally bad idea. And it could have been. I mean, it could have flopped. We had people telling us all along, like, that sounds really interesting, but there's no way I'll I'll ever be able to table that. I'm not going to buy that. But it was really successful for us. And actually, people have been able to table it pretty frequently, uh, you know, up until recently anyway, when it's hard to get six people together. So um, it paid off for us. And I you know, I still I can't tell you that it was going to or not going to. It was it was a risk. But we had the model where even if it flopped, we would still make a profit. Right. So why not take those risks and why not just do, you know, we're just doing what we're interested in essentially. And I think that passion translates for people. And uh, yeah. And I, I think people do seem to like us, you know, Mary's very likable and uh, I, I seem to fool people into thinking that I'm likable. So uh, it works out. Okay. Well, you've at least associated yourself with someone that's very likable. Yes, that's right. I'm, I'm just writing your coattails <laughs> at a minimum. Absolutely. Right. You are. No, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, I think it's interesting it's like that. That's where Tim Bell's expansion. <laughs> what was that, Tom? I missed it. Uh, uh, she asked me when's the next, when will there be a Dinosaur Tale Bell's expansion? This is what she's on now. Is I have to do expansions. Dinosaur every Tale day, Bell. Mary. Every day. Every day, he says. All right. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, there's there's something interesting about that production process. Uh, if you were producing two games a year, you couldn't take the risk on a Westphalia, right? But no, you, no, we, we couldn't. But if would, you're producing would, a large number, the opportunity cost in time is much less. And then the fact that you're not printing massive print runs and taking that kind of risk really allows you to do things that others can't. So I think you've really um, you've taken that print-on-demand model to, to its optimal. And, and it's very impressive. And you also it's also interesting... You're, so prolific, so many games during the course of a year, and and it's, but it's not just the two of you. Of course, you have contract designers that do a nice job, and you do a nice job selecting those. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, definitely working in volume with a number of releases. It is pretty much key to what we're doing because if we we're doing like two games a year, the only way we could be doing this as a full time endeavor would be if both those games were, were big hits. You know, and we can't we can't bank on something being a big hit every time because there's some things where we think it's going to do well and it doesn't do as well as we hoped, right? Um, so uh, we think when uh, I quit my day job and we decided to do this full time, uh, and at that point it wasn't a case like we were making so much money like okay I can quit my job now. It was we looked at it and said okay if we are doing this number of games a year and we're putting this number of hours into it, 
which would involve us being full-time to start with, then we would be able to make enough to make it sustainable where we can live off that money. So going to the production schedule we have was a big part of making it a full-time endeavor. And of course, it does involve having to work with a number of, of outside designers. The problem we have now is that we have like 20 games in our pipeline, and that's going to see us through until next year. So we're, 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 we're slowly, like right now, we're not accepting submissions. We're basically trying to get through our obligations and, and then, you know, be, be, be scrappy again, be, be flexible again. Um, because, uh, you know, and, and even to the point where there are some games of mine that, I mean, they're done. We could release them, but I, I've waited on them because we're trying to get stuff out the door that we committed to a year or two ago. You know, uh, this year we'll have a game out called A Rally and Restore of the World, which is a solo game I did. Same system as Agricola uh, and Charlemagne. Uh, and that was done in 2018. We just have been trying to get through stuff. So I just keep, we just keep pushing it back. I'm trying to release it this year, but uh, we're just trying to get through stuff we've already committed to in years past. Because we don't want people to be we don't want the industry waiting in a queue for forever. You know, I mean, that that's that's not our... I've been on the receiving end of that. I don't like it, right? So. Well, Tom, this is probably a good place to, uh, to conclude this discussion. I appreciate you and Mary taking the time to talk to me, and I want to wish both of you and uh, extended family and cats uh, the, the uh, healthy and a safe... Uh, traverse through this challenging time. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. You too. Thanks. And uh, in, in closing, I also wish you dinosaurs. Uh, he wishes us dinosaurs, Mary. Okay. Um, and so thanks, and, and uh, I hope we can do this again soon. Yeah, that'd be great. Wishing dinosaurs back for me. Mary says dinosaurs back. <laughs> <laughs>